0: Are you tired of the same old career advice that tells you a college degree is the only path to success? Do you feel stuck in a job that doesn't fulfill you, but you don't know how to break free? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to the No Degree Podcast, where we celebrate the unconventional routes to success for those without college degrees. I'm your host, Junaidic Ball, and I'm on a mission to help individuals like you find meaningful careers that pay well without the need for a traditional education. Today, we're diving into the world of talent sourcing and recruitment with our special guest, Monique. Monique is a talent sourcing and recruitment consultant and she's going to share her journey from recruiting models to recruiting professionals. Do you want to learn how you can utilize a non-traditional background and break into recruiting? Want to learn the strategies to get around the challenges you will face so that you can get started on your talent sourcing career? So get ready to be inspired and learn how to create your own path to success. Let's kick off this episode of the No Degree Podcast with Monique Davis. Here we go.
1: No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom. Hey
2: guys, how are you? Yep, I am Monique Davis, career strategist and founder of Fresh Talent Sources.
0: So what is Fresh Talent Sources? What do you do?
2: Good question. Uh, Fresh Talent Sources, we are a sourcing and training firm. So what does that mean when companies are startups, small businesses to medium-sized businesses that need almost like an HR team or a talent acquisition team to help them get the candidates that are necessary to help their business thrive, they bring us in. Um, we typically do orders from telecom, cybersecurity, and HR. Those are like our top three areas. And um, the training piece is actually where we come in and we train those junior level recruiters or junior level sourcers on how to identify candidates in some really innovative ways.
0: Let's take it back to the beginning. What were you doing in high school and what'd you want to be? And how'd you sort of get to this path?
2: OK, so that's a good question as well. So for me, you know, when I was in high school, I I, I consider myself out of the box. Right. I didn't think like the, the people that were around me. My initial thought was I was going to be a news anchor. <laughs> I was going to tell the news to individuals. And then when I kind of, you know, got a chance to understand that, I went to the WSB TV here in Atlanta, um, the studio here. And I said, ah, you know what? this may not be for me. This is still me being high school. And I decided that I wanted to deal in, in pre-law. And (laughs) that wasn't for me either. So uh, I did go to college for a couple of years and it was just a lot of the same types of things I was learning in high school, but just like on a higher level in, in terms of like the algebra stuff. And just, I just feel like I was never getting into the real deal of what I wanted to be the core Ultimately, I decided to get a a job. Uh, I worked for a company that um, dealt with identifying models (laughs) instead of candidates. It was models, um, identifying them to be a part of their agency and subsequently their training program. And so that's kind of that's the start of my journey of eventually getting into recruiting.
0: Okay, so. You were identifying models. These are models who are what? Videos, photo shoots, magazines, what type?
2: Everything, everything. Um, Elite was the the Elite founder is like one of the top modeling agencies ever. They had a company called John Casablancas, who was the owner of Elite. That's how I got my start with working with their corporation and in, and figuring out, you know, strategies. ways scripts on how to speak to individuals how to get their attention all of that stuff so all the hustle kind of came from that when i worked for their company
0: what'd you learn from that job what skills were really and you know you can take as long as you want to answer that question man
2: yeah i don't think we have enough time but I'll, i'll stick to some core pieces so first and foremost organization i learned how to organize my time manage my time wisely Put schedules together together, coordinate who I wanted to speak to, who was a priority, who was a warm prospect, who was a cold prospect. Um, I learned the art of business development. I learned the art of networking. I learned the art of follow-up. <laughs> you know, a lot of salespeople are good to sell you stuff, but they never follow up on anything. So I learned how following up was essential to closing the deal. I learned that a lot of business deals are not even closed at a business office, typically they're closed at dinner <laughs> or they're closed at, at, at a lunch or breakfast, you know, but those are the just kind of transferable skills that I ended up learning in that environment. I learned com- the competitive nature of uh, sales <laughs> and and how people could be really crazy when it came down to get in the sale, right? And so I learned how to maneuver with certain personality types. And that's what kind of got me into personalities and and studying personalities and, the, and how your behavior plays a really big part on the types of positions and roles you should be in. Man, th- those are just like the core areas I can think of. And then identifying candidates. So now, of course, you know, since then I've worked with a lot of the big boys from Delta Airlines to Tyco Electronics to, you know, a, a, a lot of big boys. But Prior to even getting into to actual recruiting for corporations dealing with this agency, I was able to figure out ways to identify candidates that were not just the normal ways. So meaning at that time, what was big? Like MySpace was big and I, and, um, going out and, and going to the mall was a big thing to, to find that talent. But I would go one step above, I would research the, the schools, the, geog- the geography, the area that I was in. I would research the schools and identify places that people that ha- that was my target audience, where they would actually be. So I learned customer segmentation there as well. <laughs> it was literally it was literally the foundation of me. It was the foundation of me and who I am and, and every other job that I had after that. I was able to speak so clearly and concise to those types of skill sets because I had dealt with it firsthand. And I learned how to manage money because I used to make a lot of it at an early age.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I see a lot of people, they'll make the money and then they essentially make nothing because they squander it for years. And then it's tough, especially as you grow older, you have more expenses, things come up and you want to grow. How long were you at that agency?
2: Oh gosh, I was there for almost four years. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, my college, the time that I was supposed to be in college, I was there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You felt that it was definitely a great foundation?
2: Absolutely. Without, I I have no doubt whatsoever that this was like a perfect foundation for me um, to get into all the wonderful things that I ended up kind of delving into as I uh, when I left that place, yeah.
0: I know you've had several jobs after that. Was there any time where, you know, the lack of college degree sort of said, hey, you had to like prove yourself or you had to jump through hoops? Did that ever happen to you?
2: You know what? <laughs> I'll say this. I've always had a really strong work ethic, like really, really strong. Initially coming on board, I can remember one... Company in particular, uh, it was a telecom company that I worked for, Tyco Electronics. When I first came, the the head of talent acquisition, he was like, "Okay, you got a little experience here with this, but you know, we're, we're we're really looking for uh, you know, rock star and blah 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 and this and that." I started to get more assertive in the interview. I said, "Well, tell me some of the KPOs. Like, what is what are the key performance objectives for this role? What is it that let's move the whole job description." out of the way okay tell me what it is that you need this person to achieve in this position who will they interact with who will they connect with and he was just like okay well sure let me tell you And so he began to tell me and, give, and, and you know kind of just really give me some realistic job previews and every situation everything that every objective I gave him an example a strong example of what I had already done, that was the exact thing that he was looking for. Needless to say, we were only slated to meet for 30 minutes. I ended up taking up two hours of his time. And right when I was leaving the building, he made me the offer. Now, because of the lack of degree, he made me an hourly rate uh, offer that was not really what I wanted, but I took it anyway, because I just felt like, like I can prove myself. You know, I was eager, I was hungry. Six months in, I became talent acquisition manager, got like over, honestly, I went from making $50,000 a year to make almost $100,000 a year. He made everybody just come to me. He's like, look, she knows what she's doing. Just go to Monique. And he stayed the global talent acquisition head of Tyco Electronics Connectivity in Marietta. That's kind of how it happened. I know that the hiring, I mean, the HR people and, you know, he had a team of people telling telling him, no, she's not ready for a management role. She's not ready for this. She only has this on her, you know, this is her, this is her information here. Like this is her resume. Like, what is this? Like a modeling agency? And she did, you know, and then I did some freelance recruiting for a smaller recruiting firm. I actually did it for free, commission-based. I say free because I didn't get an hourly, but it was commission-based. And so that was all my experience. And they were like, uh, yeah, I don't think so. But I came in and I kicked butt.
0: You kicked everyone's butt, right? I
2: kicked everyone's butt, <laughs> nice. and that's how it—that's how it happened, literally, like step by step.
0: Now, how long did it? Once you started being in the role, right? They, initially, they had this perception of you. Okay, well, she came from this model. She dealt with models. These people—that's not a real job or whatever. How long did it take you to sort of win people over when they were like, you know, what he made the right decision.
2: Yeah, I think it was month three, my 90 day, I guess, probationary period. By that time, I had already made probably, ah, oh man, I don't, I can't even remember the number. Let's just say 20. You know, I had already made like 20 hires and, and they were, and they, these were hard. Telecom is not the easiest type of position to fill you know, I had already made like almost 20 hires and I was very, very assertive and very professional. One of the things in that environment, it was like one of those business casual environments. So one day you'll see somebody with like some jeans on and, you know, no one w- really kind of stepped it up. And I stepped it up every day. I dressed for the job that I desire, not the job that I had. Right. I came with a a management feel to me. Does that make sense? Like I didn't come in like, oh, I'm just a, regular old specialist here, you know, I came like, no, I'm about to run this place. Okay. (laughs) And and I never got into, um, like those gossipy, you know, HR can be a little gossipy. So I never got into those gossipy circles. I never got into, you know, just getting too familiar with my colleagues. I I, like, I had a professional fun exchange, but it was just like, I I wouldn't let myself, because I always felt like one day I'm going to be managing you guys. (laughs) And so, and so my mindset was always management, leadership, servant leadership. That was my thing. And so I think that that third month when I was making these hires, their numbers were going up. They in, introduced me to a BPO team was a, is a business process outsourcing team and headed by this this great guy, this director guy. He's so awesome. And uh, and I remember him bringing me in. I was the only minority. I was the youngest person there, okay? And he would bring me into these meetings and they would say what they what they wanted to say about what their what their need of and how this is going to be so hard to do and that and I would say, "If you don't mind if I interject." <laughs> and I would speak my opinion. I would say, "Well, I honestly with these numbers, here's how we can do it. Here's the strategy. Here's what you can expect in the first quarter. Here's what." And I already had my I had my numbers. I had I was a I was just a stickler for having strong work ethic. And I think that that impressed them so much that leadership began to come to me instead of like going directly to my boss first, they would come directly to me and ask me for things. And because they saw my knowledge, I stepped up in areas where I knew I was supposed to step up. And I think that's so vital to being able to um, take off of the the whole, the, I don't want to say stigma, but just like the look of no degree. You're not smart, or you don't you don't have the business savvy. You you absolutely can have it because uh, I know plenty of people now that have master's degrees that are stuck working at Dillard's and you know Nordstroms because they can't find something. Right? It, there's nothing wrong with Dillard's or Nordstrom, but if that's not where you want to be, <laughs> it could be it could be it could be something wrong with that. So yeah, I I definitely definitely say within the the first three months they begin to to recognize that I wasn't one to play with.
0: (laughs) And then once the, how did it change? So now before they're like, all right, that's Monique. She thinks she's going to run the place, but how did it change? Like how they treat you? What was it before? What was it after? Like once they started respecting you now, did they ask you more questions? Did they sort of look at you different or what?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, They definitely started to include me. I mean, I was going to lunches in North Dakota. I mean, I was flying out places. Now I was, Presenting my ideas. You know, I was actually being heard. I was collaborating with the HR team. A lot of people get confused with talent acquisition and HR. We're like we're sisters or maybe like stepsisters. I don't know, but we're 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 connected, but we're not like we're very different. You know, so the HR team started to respect me. I, as a matter of fact, the HR manager would start to come directly to me and say, "Hey, elect your 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 input on you know this this situation or that or whatever." And we just started to collaborate more. I started to make myself more available. It, it just kind of happened organically. I, honestly, it just was one of those things where they saw how many people respected me. As a matter of fact, one of the directors of that team I was mentioning, the BPO team, they wrote a letter. Because at one point they were, they did not know if, if my job was a job that they, that needed to, since they had a global person, they were like, well, what do we need a talent acquisition manager for? And he wrote a letter. He gave them the number, my numbers. And he was like, she has, she has brought us from zero to eight million by the people that she's bringing in to work for our outsourcing projects for our clients, like Sprint and Windstream, et cetera. And they were like, What? And so that is it was like the proof was in the pudding. You know what I mean? And that is how I was able to, I guess, kind of get their validation because the other directors were validating. me. They didn't do it on their own. HR didn't do it on their own. Uh, They still they were stuck in that mentality of, oh, no degree. You know, they were stuck in that. But my proof was here in the numbers. And when you make money for a company, they never forget you. (laughs) They never they never forget you.
0: So let's go back to the modeling agency. So you did very well at that job. Who are people who don't do well at that job? Because I could imagine there are some people who sort of get stuck in that industry or they make some key mistakes.
2: At the beginning, when I first started I think the people that because it was high turnover, you know, it's sales. Right. So it was really high turnover. Ultimately, they want you to feel like make it feel like it's a talent agency. But really, it's sales. One of the individuals that kind of that was let go was because she got comfortable. And every day and I and and maybe that's the workaholic in me, but but every day I live like this is I got to eat. Like I don't have any money in my bank account you know, and that's how I live my life. And so if you don't have that hunger in any business development role, in any type of recruiting or marketing role, you can never get complacent. You can never just feel like, oh, I can just post somewhere and wait for people to come to me in terms of job opportunities, et cetera. You got to be very proactive and, and strategic and your approach. And so if you're if you are not about the strategy, if you're not about the hustle, and really the grit, if that's not your personality, then you shouldn't be in a business development position, period.
0: When you were the talent manager, what came next? How long did you stay at that job? And then what came next? And when did you realize it was sort of time for a change?
2: Oh, man. So as talent acquisition manager, let me just say, I love that job. I have yet to find I'm an entrepreneur now, but from that time frame all the way up to now, I've never found a position that was that much, that was that fulfilling, right? So what happened was they had another company that came in and acquired my Oh team. man,
0: I, I hear this already.
2: <laughs> and I was sick. <laughs> I was so sick. And the company that came in, oh my gosh, they were, ugh, they were very conservative, very conservative. They were impressed by my numbers, but they didn't understand my value. And so when they when when it came down, they were like firing people left and right. I'm talking about like chopping block city. That's where we lived. And I was just like, well, I need to get start looking for, you know, another position. And so I remember that team that did that. The team that was left. I remember the director and he's like, hey, listen. I'm putting in my notice and he told me and I was like, Oh oh God, if he leaves, he's my biggest supporter. Like, what am I going to do? I'm out. And he goes, I just want you to know that wherever I go, I really, really, really want to talk to you. Like, just know that. And he, he was very kind of vague in how he said it. He didn't really give me, you know, a lot of information. I was like, Oh, okay. Whatever that means. It came down to chopping city time for me. And I met with the VP and the HR manager And they go, well, we don't want to let you go because we see what you can do, but we want to cut your, you know, because of your education and because of this, we want to cut you down to about 65,000 a year. And I was like, (laughs) I just bust out laughing. And I was like, are you serious? And I was like, okay. All right. I said, let me take some time and think about it. What I did, I took some time. I thought about it. I knew I wasn't going to stay but I wanted to make sure I secured the bag before I left that one. (laughs) So I was already plotting my exit strategy. And then, you know, as I'm doing that, I had a girlfriend who worked at a staffing agency and she's like, girl, come over here. I can train you to be my manager, like one of my managers, you know, one of my leads or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, oh, assistant manager, I'm sorry. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, Staffing is not really my thing, but all right. I gave them my notice. Told them I was going over to the staffing company and they were like, Oh my gosh, we're just so upset that you're leaving. And I'm like, Uh, you, you tried to cut my pay like 35,000 bucks. (laughs) And so they were like, You should be upset. Right. I'm I'm the the one who's been hurt. And so they were like, Well, can can you? Well, well, okay. Okay. And so, so what I said was, Well, how about this? How about I find your, my replacement? How about I find my replacement through a staffing agency? Let's let's th- th- through, do the company that I'm actually going to be going to. So not only did I leave on good terms, but I actually got the business. Like I ended up that my first hire was me transitioning <laughs>
0: out. <Wow. of laughs> You're a hustler.
2: <laughs> I'm a hustler. <laughs> I'm a hustler. So, so that was my first thing. And the staffing agency was something very temporary. I stayed there for a couple of months and then... Their HR team reached out to me and they were like the company that he was at now was another telecom company. And they reached out to me like we've heard great things about you. We basically we want to hire you. You you don't even have to go through the whole process. We want you because Chuck's saying he can't do it without you. Right. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. It didn't take long. We negotiated a really great deal, really great benefits package for one. Everything was like on point bonus. Everything sign on. Everything was a one. I came on board, and I worked with them for, goodness, I feel like it was about a year I was with CHR. It was good time. It was a little slower than I was used to. I did work remote. I did have to fly out a lot to um, some of the, their locations up north and, and, like, you know, Fargo and, and uh, North Dakota area and stuff like that. But what ended up happening was they ended up outsourcing <laughs> the recruiting side into... To uh, to a place in India. And so not only did I get like chopped because they wanted to cut down on price and all such stuff. But I had to train my replacements because the, the Indian outsourcing team didn't they still they got they grasped the concept, but they still weren't like really understanding how to communicate effectively. And so I was giving them tips. I was creating guides for these people. Okay. And I, they were like kicking me out of the door, but I did that out of the, just the goodness of the, the integrity of my name. Right. Because there were other people that were like, I'm not training them. <laughs> and, uh, that wasn't me. So, so that's, that's how I ended up leaving CHR, left CHR and got introduced to Delta. Honestly, the rest is history because with after Delta, I stayed with them, made a name for myself, you know, became senior IT recruiter over there. I noticed that there was not a lot of room for growth. The position that was above me, it was a very, so I was with a, I was with a subsidiary of Delta, which is called DGS. So this this is a subsidiary. And the environment was a little, it just, it just wasn't a, an environment where you, where relationships are fostered and people are trained and developed and grown right? It was more like a worker bee type of environment, right? There were some people that got on the chopping block. Of course, I, I wasn't in that number, but I just realized that it was my time to start to do my own thing because just my thought process, it just wasn't aligned with how they were going about how they wanted to do, to, to do business. And um, I just thought, you know what, this is probably not going to be a good fit for me. I'm probably, I'm, I was there for like four years and I was like, OK, it's time for me to just do my own thing. And I and I decided with my career strategy coaching that I was doing on the side anyway, um, that I would go full force with that. Left there and began to really go hard with my Fresh Talent Sources initiative. It went first from just career coaching. Well, first it went from just staffing and then just career coaching. And then I said, wait, I'm going to just do. I'm going to do everything. And so uh, it's it's ever evolving my company. But now we're at a really comfortable place where we have a methodology called the right fit, because I think it's so important that companies have the right fit in their organization. And there's certain behavior triggers and um, personality types that you can that you're able to figure out or find the best person for your position. So that's what leads us here, leads us to this point. <laughs>
0: When you started it, right, because usually what I've seen is it's never, it's always different when you start, right? It's never how you expect. It's, it's, there's a whole lot of things. So when you started, what were some things that happened that were sort of, that you did not expect?
2: I thought that I was going to just get business after business after business. I really did because that's me and I'm hustling, I'm reaching out, I'm talking, I'm going to places. I'm like, what is going on? And I, I just didn't get the work like that. I did get a lot of career coaching clients. And I'm thinking, okay, but I'm supposed to be doing staffing. Like That's where the bread and butter is. I wasn't getting this type of clients that I really, really wanted to get um, in that first year. I left in June, 2018. And that first year was horrific, but I ended up doing a lot of split partnerships. So I learned a lot about that. Um, I learned about the barter and exchange system because at first I was like, oh, yeah, I can pay for everything. And then my savings start to dwindle down. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, <laughs> it's really dwindling down. and I'm not replacing it with anything. <laughs> and uh, that was scary. And, you know, I thank God for my husband because he was the financial backbone uh, or else I'd probably be on the streets or something. But it, because it was a lot, it was just it just. The thing is, you really feel like you feel invincible when you start your business. You just feel like people are just going to come because of who you are. You're like, I'm just going to get business. But it doesn't necessarily work like that. You really have to make the right connections and be a part of the right associations. Um, There's all types of membership groups that you need to be a part of associations, alliances that you need to to, to research and figure out for your specific industry and learn the art of collaboration. I feel like when I learned the art of collaboration is when money and more clients started to come to me.
0: What type of collaborations, if you don't mind sharing?
2: Sure. So even what we're doing now, like this is a collaboration, right? So, so collaborations can consist of anything from this, uh, to I last uh, uh was it this year? What is this year? 2020, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh yeah, so earlier this year, or either late last year, I had an event and I partnered with another staffing company, it was actually a um a full IT staffing company. Now I do IT as well, but I love telecom and HR. Those are my babies. I love to recruit that. I love cybersecurity as well, but I love telecom and HR. And so I collaborated with her on this event. We had a very successful event. Um, I had was just telling individuals about social media and employer branding and how to do like, you know, social media, how to break down even getting influencers, et cetera, et cetera. So we had this really great collaboration happen from that led to my client that will be happening in March, you know, just sign the paperwork, you know, signing all that information and it's gonna, it's, it's about to happen, but that collaboration, we validated each other. We, we trusted each other. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I have, she felt like the owner, the founder. She felt like I had her best interest at heart because I wanted to bring her in on something that, you know, could, could be really great if we continue to do it. And so, um, things like that. You know, the, that, that that type of collaboration, you know, finding someone who's a competitor, but not a competitor, like someone who's in your space, but not really in your space. You know, and so they have their own group of people that they may not be able to satisfy. You know, there are certain um, job orders that she can't really satisfy because of her. Her team is not as big, you know, and she, she needs someone to help out. It, it's things like that, you know, um, reaching out to those small, like National Association of Professional Women. I've collaborated with them. You know, my my thing was, let me do, I did a um, presentation on the art of networking. I did that for free. And then, of course, at the end, yeah, I was like, okay, let's buy some of my books, okay? <laughs> and so they bought some of my books, and some of them set scheduled some um, consultation sessions with me, on how to grow their business um, from, you know, a talent acquisition perspective. And so, yeah, it, it's just like there's so many ways to collaborate. We could go on and on and on about collaboration, but you just have to do it, period. Be with someone that's not yourself. <laughs> Don't go by yourself.
0: Were there some collaborations that sort of didn't work out or they weren't what you expected? And sort of what now going forward, how can you identify them more easily?
2: Okay one collaboration and i i don't want to say that it didn't work out i'm going to i'm trying to say this the right way so so for me i'm all about when i talk about career readiness right i'm all about the whole person i'm not just about the skill set that you have i'm about your personality i'm about your appearance how you look right everything i had an idea to do this like social media branding, like talent, career branding type of event. And I, in collaboration with uh, a beauty company, a very well-known beauty company. And they even let me use their, their uh, corporate offices at Nordstrom. It was really beautiful, really beautiful, really nice. Got some people to come on board. The thing about it was it just wasn't set up properly. Okay. So for instance, in the Registration, we—I didn't go into to, to strong enough detail about what monies would go to their beauty supplies that they were going to have for the guests, and what was going to be kind of my re up for what I put into the event, right? Um, because when you make when you have events and, and conferences and things like that, you don't make any money. Like that's you don't really make any money. So it's really branding. Right. And so I was just like trying to figure. So we didn't really go into detail. And so some things kind of got muddy when it was time to, like, cash those coins. Okay, my biggest regret is not having that part in the contract, not like. It was kind of like glazed over. We didn't go into detail. We had communicated verbally and I thought, hey, your word is bond. My word is bond. Let's just get the contract together to say that we're doing this great event and leave it at that. And then I just I didn't do my due diligence. And so that was the biggest problem. And it made me say, "Mm, I don't want to do anything like that again because it didn't necessarily work out to my favor. Okay. But
0: I guess it was a good learning experience going forward. It was
2: great learning experience. And it was so beautiful, by the way. It was like a really beautiful <laughs> event. Those are the
0: best when it's like, look, it, it didn't work out how you wanted, but it's still a good learning experience. There's nothing really negative. So I'm going to ask you this because this is going to be more personal to you that you are a minority woman without a degree. So your experience is very different, right, from some other demographics and some other, you know, just like a male. So what were some things where it was... You know, that was specific to you being a minority woman. And how'd you overcome that?
2: So that's an everyday thing. However, I don't make it an everyday thing. You can have the discernment. You can have the feeling that they're treating you a little different. Oh, that's good for you. You're like, good for me. What does that mean? <laughs> and so and so you have to kind of ignore those comp, those uh backwards compliments. Right. And you have to show and prove. For me, it was about not giving it any any energy. You know what I mean? Like I would be in rooms filled with just baby boomer white males and be the only I traveled with them. And and I had and I thought nothing of it. I, you know, I, I, they were like, hey, we're going out for, you know, beers or whatever. And, you know, um, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm like, hey, you didn't invite me. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, let me go get my purse. <laughs> I, I made them accept me. And, and I think that's why even till this day, a lot of them still reach out to me and say, hey, just you know, ch- checking in. I have this client that may need your services, et cetera, et cetera. Because I didn't, I didn't hold on to trying to be the black girl or the minority girl, the person of color or the girl in general. OK, I didn't try to hold on to that. I just was my fabulous self because when I went out, I wanted to be fabulous. And I was still my confident self. I think a lot of times we can feel the feeling, but choose the behavior. And so I could feel like they, they it was un, sometimes it was just uneasiness, like they didn't know how to react to me. It wasn't like they were racist or anything. It was just that they just didn't know how to move with me. And I would just make it very easy for them. Like, hey, let's go. Come on, guys, let's go. What are you, are you guys going hunting? Okay, take me with you. I don't believe in it, but I'll just see what you guys are doing. Maybe I can save some deers or something. Like I would, I, I just had a different type of uh, mindset on that whole minority thing. I just didn't accept it. I knew who I was. I walked boldly in it. I was proud of it, but I still wouldn't accept that. You're going to treat me differently. I'm going to make you respect me. I'm going to do above and beyond what I should be doing, and it's going to it, it's going to make you eat your words if you do have a negative thing to say about me.
0: You feel that just being assertive and owning yourself and knowing like this is who I am. You got to accept me. I work hard and I get the job done.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean that though. To that's layman's terms. Like that's the easiest way to break it down. That's exactly how. My thought process was, I just did it
0: if you were starting over, how would you go about it?
2: That's such a good question because my husband now he's all about education, okay, so he's it's we're we're polar opposites, he's big on education and um and me i'm I like being educated, you know what I mean? I like being trained on things and and learning things and reading books, but you know just that traditional education I'm just not for it, so. He always asked if you could do it over. Would you go back? Would you go to school? Would you finish college? And and I go, you know, I don't think so, because my life has been this really great, great. Like a lot of the ways that I've been able to see my strongest parts of myself is when I felt that weakness, that inferiority. Right. When I felt that feeling, that ah, man, I'm not. It made me step up so strongly. I didn't feel entitled with doing it over. I would do it. I would do it over. The only thing that I would change would be, I don't think when I first came down to, um, when I came, when I left the, the agency, and I got this, this little gig at the staffing agency. Initially I left the job. I left the job and I left it because one of the girls got on my nerves. <laughs> and so, And so when I think back in retrospect, I really wish that I never left that staffing firm position. It was like it was my it was like I was so young. I was a recruiting coordinator. I wasn't a recruiter, but she was we had gotten into like this really good friendship. And I don't know, she was just getting on my nerves and I just didn't like working with her. And I'm like, I got to get up out of here because she's like and, and and, you know, with staffing, it's like normally like what? four or five people at the desk, you got a branch manager and then you have the recruiting coordinator. So it's a very intimate environment. And so you have to see them every day. You have to somewhat have lunch with them every day. It's just like, it was too much for me. And I was so young and just like, I don't want to deal with her. I don't even want to see her face. And so I, I would change that. That's the only thing in my career that I feel like I would change is to never just leave a position based on a temporary feeling
0: you would have just tried to work it out had a conversation something like that
2: i wish that the mature monique now oh oh yeah i i would have killed that job i would have gained more experience on a lot of different things and staffing um i still gained it but it was just like i didn't have to leave i could have left on different terms as a matter of fact i remember the branch manager saying to me I don't feel like it's your time to leave. I feel like you're going to do some great things. I feel like you can run this place. She was telling me that as a recruiting coordinator. And I was just like, "Uh, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I was being so stubborn, <laughs> so spoiled.
0: It yeah. happened. So what's in the future for you?
2: What's in the future? Telecom is on the rise. It's been quiet. Telecom has been really quiet. So I've been getting a lot of different jobs with like different, like service technicians and, um, Cybersecurity opportunities and stuff like that. But I see my baby coming back. Telecom is coming back in terms of like having that, that high volume, real need for them. And so I see more contracts coming my way. I've had a lot of great meetings with some, some really great, some medium sized companies that, that need help. I see getting more into that. I see more speaking engagements for, for me, because I love to speak if you can't tell. And, um. I can tell. And I love to train. And so I do a lot of trainings. And so I'm hoping to to get involved more um, with more educational institutes like I just did this past week with Georgia Tech or two weeks ago with Georgia Tech, going out and speaking to their cybersecurity cohorts about reverse sourcing and how to source backwards. So I do want to get more involved with with career strategies on on with job search techniques dealing with sourcing but from a reverse perspective for the job seeker, not for for the client. Right. So I want to do more of those things. So that's my play. That's what I see in 2020 for me.
0: What do you speak on?
2: I have this really great series called How to Make Mondays Great Again. It's like all my trials and errors of of what I didn't do (laughs) to make my Mondays great. I learned when I figured out how to combat the Monday blues. It helped me with so much clarity in my job. So teaching individuals that I talk about. I love social media. I think it's one of the, the most slept on tools for businesses and for marketing and everything. I do a lot of talks about um, influencer marketing um, because I myself am a, an influencer as well. Uh, got into that and I like it and, you know, get free stuff. Hey, who, who doesn't like that? Uh, so so doing that, I talk about that and the holistic part of me talks about career identity and the right fit methodology that I was telling you about my company, Fresh Talent Sources. We we live off of that. That's our mantra. We find the right fit for your business and culture. Talking about the personality traits and, from DISC and how to, to really, really hire based on behavior and performance versus skills and this raggedy job description. So I talk about all of those things. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> cool, cool. So how would someone get in touch with you? If someone wants to reach out?
2: I am on Instagram as the Monique Davis. I'm on Twitter as Career Coach Mo Davis, I think, or Career Coach Mo. And I'm on LinkedIn as just Monique Davis. You can email me, Monique, at F as in Frank, T as in Tom, sources. So FTSources.com. Yeah. Do everything, but call me because I I don't do a lot of calls, but (laughs) you can email me.
0: Email. Okay, cool. So if you want to reach out to Monique, I'm going to put all those things in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing the stories. It was a wonderful story. And like I said, we'll be doing some collaborating in the future.
2: Sounds good. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And thank you so, so much for having this platform. I told you that the reason why I was even interested in it was because of your title, no degree. And I was like, Hey, that's me. And embracing having people embrace that. No degree does not mean no education, you know, no training. It just means that you didn't follow the traditional route. And so I just really appreciate your podcast and what it represents.
0: Thank you. I just want to say you are no degree, right? You are the type of stories I want to give out. And so thank you. This is a perfect episode.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Have a good
0: one. You too. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information is valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think this show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash no degree. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at Facebook.com No Degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janayad Iqbal, spelled J O N A E D, last name I Q B A L. Until next time, No Degree. No problem, no degree.com
1: Yeah. So you got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve we them. Got this. LinkedIn. insomnia keeps us evolving, growing and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going you didn't know like you know let's sing that again everybody no degree no problem any problem we can solve them linked insomnia keeps us evolving we're growing in the knowing the wisdom is flowing it if you didn't know, now you know where I'm going No degree, no problem, any problem we can solve Linked insomnia keeps us evolving We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going Yeah